This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Jeff, Odem Bones, Awesome Possum Blossom, Amy, Dylan, William, Brandon, Dave, Scott, Tristan, Kate, Sasha, Isaac, Ori, Karun, Eddie, Nick B, and Chris. And Chris and all the patrons want you to know that you're loved, you are listened to, and you are a valued member of this horror virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, join the Facebook group where we hang out daily. And, I mean, also the Discord we are chatting all day in the Discord. Join that ish. You do have some nice makeup on, Paige. Thank you. I put on my criticizing makeup. <laughs> <laughs> makeup only makes me look meaner. It's my secret power. Mm, like the kind of mean I was paid for. <laughs> like, I just choked on a gummy sloth. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into the Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. And I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you guys made me watch Hell, Hell House, House LLC. LLC. Limited Liability Corporation. So, was this the first time you guys have seen this movie? I mean, did they have to add the LLC? I don't know. Like, I, a, like a copyright issue? I know, because it was their business. It's like, it's about their business. Well, I, no, I, I get it. They have to include business things for liability. <laughs> well, I mean, we have an LLC. Like, I get it. I understand. Like, I'm not naive enough to not know what LLC stands for or whatever, but it is silly to me. That that is part of the title. Yes, I think Hell House is a better title than Hell House LLC. Well, yeah, you know who else knows it's a better title? The people of this movie, because the actual haunted house is not Hell House LLC. It's Hell House. <laughs> Hell House. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, that is not the only bad decision they made in this movie. But was this the first time you guys saw this movie? Yes. Mikey, was it yours? It is the second time. This movie okay. got a ton of hype when it came out, so I watched it. It did. This is one of those rare movies that did not get a real theatrical release. We'll talk a little bit about it later, but it really didn't. It was released to streaming platforms after a very successful festival run, right? Like a sack race. <laughs> A festival run is more like a field day where everyone gets a badge, but we all lost. No, but you know what festivals are, Mikey. We met Paige at a film festival. Cult Podcast has gone back and done that same festival a bunch of times, and it's a fucking blast. I know. I wanted to go back, but a third of us didn't, so we uh, we didn't go. Yeah, Mikey. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but honestly, I love Panic Fest. It was a lot of fun. I'd love to go back when we can do things outside with people again. Have either of you screened a movie at a festival before? Yes, I have. No. I've never made a movie. Will you guys make a movie with me? Mikey, I would make a tape with you for sure. <laughs> this is this movie's gonna be called Horror Virgin LLC. I I learned in in film school that cinematography is not my strong suit. Well listen, Paige, I've got that down. I know. I I have screened a movie at a festival though. It's the only other time I've been to Austin, Texas. Oh, uh, where Love I screened Austin. a zombie film I made in college at the Alamo Draft House for oh, oh, a awesome. zombie film festival. I still have the poster for Dismember the Alamo 2009. <laughs> Dismember <laughs> the Alamo. I love it. Well, cool. So now that we've walked down memory lane and talked about Panic Fest, what were your first impressions of this movie? Needed more panic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I liked it the first time I saw it, mainly because I'm like a champion of a good indie horror film because yes. a lot of them are trash and yeah. i and i mean that as not an insult because a lot of people make them 
but they are. They're very bad. Um, <laughs> so I actually really liked this one, and I thought they did some really interesting scares. Like the scare, like you could tell what scenes they were like. This is gonna be scary, and they, and they were. Yes. So like, I mean, the scares were. Yes, they do. I just was like, I like sat there and I watched the film, and it scared me, and I was like, man, I hope they make a sequel, and I hope it's like super high budget. Allegedly, they've made two sequels. Yes, but they are not super high budget. They took that money and pocketed it and took it home, and like that's fine. I mean, like if you're gonna do that, I mean, I'll, more power to you. I'm gonna sell out as soon as possible. So you, were, <laughs> so you were scared when you saw it, Mikey, the first time. Yeah, uh, there's a couple of scenes that scared me again. That damn clown mannequin thing Holy is so shit. scary. Oh my god! If you were in the Facebook group, you saw the video my girlfriend posted of you reacting to the clown mannequin of the clown scare. Yeah, and there were so many moments like that. It's not just one moment with the clown. Like that clown's fucking everywhere. Yeah, and it scared the shit out of me every fucking time. Like this, I hated hated this movie. This is the scariest movie I've watched in a while. Here's my major criticism of the movie. Okay. Not the budget or anything. It's just they have great scares constructed and they work and they're scary on film. Yeah. But I don't know much about any of these cast members. I don't remember their names. I had trouble tracking who was who through the whole movie. I had no one to empathize with. And then anybody that would talk, I didn't agree with any decisions that they made usually. And so I, I think that this movie would have been super strong if you had really compelling one or two characters along with the rest of the people. More of a focus on like the couple or something. Yeah. Sure. Something to make you care. Because it, it, basically you're like, let's watch this murder. Yeah, and like you're excited about it because it's really creepy. And you're like, let's see who gets murdered. I'm excited about it. There's what's yeah. his face and goatee and all that stuff. <laughs> what's his face and goatee? I love that. <laughs> Oddly enough, Paige, he was calling Sarah goatee. <laughs> Here, okay, here's what I'll say. I tend not to gravitate towards found footage films um, because I feel like they're very easy to do, but they're not easy to do well. Yeah, and I feel like that's the problem. Yeah, just like me, you're easy to do, <laughs> but not easy to do well. Yeah, gross. I'm sorry. I think I'm there sorry. are a few things that they did really, really well, as far as planning and choosing how they were going to structure the movie. I really like that it's a documentary. One of my biggest, biggest pet peeves about found footage movies is when there's no reason for a camera to be there. That's like my number one thing. If you cannot yeah. give me a reason for cameras to be there and for us to be seeing it, fuck your movie. And that's one of the things I think Paranormal Activity does well. Yeah, and, and even when it's kind of a stretch, yeah. they still kind of make it work. In this one, the other thing too, I did like that Almost every source of footage we had was reasonable and rational, where not only do we have the documentary as a backdrop for why we're seeing this, and all the talking heads in the documentary are perfect. It looks like it's on the History Channel. It's it does. perfect. But they're telling you where the footage is coming from, whether it's like from a, a tour goer and from, you know, this head cam and from this cam. And I really, really liked that measure of realism. I think it was really, really well done. Mm -hmm. Also, I have criticized in the past found footage films for reusing footage. And I feel like this is one of the few times we have seen a found footage film reuse footage well. Do you mean like the quote unquote YouTube video they show at the very beginning? And then the way they intersperse that with the extra now found footage that Sarah yes. brought, brought forward? I really like that too. Yeah, because now you're seeing it as a part of a larger story and not just telling the story again. Yes. And so it is, it's illuminating parts of what you've already seen. Yes. The thing that I 
hate about this movie like <laughs> is a thing that all found footage movies do which is part of why I tend to not like them where found footage movies have a commitment to realism where they're like well no one would just be standing around saying the things that you need to say and what they forget is that editing exists yes and so in every found footage film I feel like paranormal activity is one of the few that doesn't do it but in most found footage films there are so many scenes of people just standing around and talking about stuff that we do not care about that we'll never see that will have no bearing on the story at all and we just have to sit through it and you're always dropping us into a, the middle of a conversation to make it seem real right. and there's a part of me that's like I get that this is what would really like if you just picked up footage that's what it would really look like but the conceit of this film is that someone has then taken that footage and edited it together into a documentary, which means that we wouldn't have the shit that we don't need. So why are we sitting through this? Right. I also think Mikey's completely right. There's not a likable character in the bunch. And so there's no one to really attach yourself to or empathize with. Paul is the closest we get, and he's kind of creepy. <laughs> and there's only one girl in the mix. Well, there's two. There's the actor and then Sarah. Which the actor only has two to three scenes. Sarah mm -hmm. only has a handful of scenes. They never even meet and talk to each other. What I'm getting at more is we have a lot of the same voice. Yeah. Because we have four white guys that, as we have all just said, are almost indistinguishable. Shake that shit up, man. Give me somebody that I can recognize who is who. Because I struggled to know who was Paul, who was Tony, who was Mac, who was Alex. And by the time I had figured out who was who, the movie was pretty much almost over at that mm -hmm. point. Yeah. I don't think I ever got to the point where I knew who was who. Like, I, I could see their faces in my head. I knew Sarah. That does not surprise me at all. I feel like she's your type. But all the <laughs> other guys, they were like, okay, that's the tall ginger guy. That's the creepy camera guy. They all are interchangeable to me. It doesn't matter. This movie so does not understand how unmemorable its characters are that at the end of the movie, when the reporter goes, it gives us a title card that says Mitchell stayed behind to edit the footage. Who the fuck is Mitchell? Mitchell is not even with the original cast of the documentary. Right. Mitchell is the cameraman for the document, the, the editor for the documentary. Right. <laughs> so he's never even been on. He's never even been on screen. And I'm like, right. yeah, why did we need a named character to tell us who's editing the footage in this dream world of the film? So, yeah, I mean, I do think that there are some structural problems with the film. But ultimately, this scared the shit out of me. I don't think they care about that kind of stuff. I think they wanted to make a scary movie. And they made a very scary movie. Paige is looking at me like, uh, no, they didn't. But I feel like they really did. I, eh, it's all right. I feel like it could have been scarier. I, you clearly don't like haunted houses, though. No. I took him to a haunted house last year. He made me go to a haunted house last year, and it scared the shit out of it me. It was so funny. It was the worst I feel like there were a lot of jump scares in the beginning of this movie that probably got Todd. And I was watching it and I was like, oh, I bet this scared Todd shitless. Yeah, they did. There's one jump scare that got me and another one that I predicted, but I was like, ooh, that's still creepy. But that's about it for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe we should just go through this movie scene by scene and talk about it because so much of yes. it was so scary to me. Okay. So... We cut to some shots of trees outside the car, basically as if they're sitting in the car. What we will find out later is that this is a shot over Sarah's shoulder yeah. on their way to the hotel. 
And we get a title card that basically says what you're about to see is a documentary about the 2009 Halloween Haunted House Tour Massacre. And there was the Great Recession. So that haunted house just. That didn't make any money. It wasn't the only LLC to go out of business that year. You, know what I'm saying? <laughs> you walked in and it was just the <laughs> stock market. And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> no. Hi. Welcome to our haunted house, Bear Stearns. <laughs> <laughs> but then we get to our first talking head. Just for those of you who don't know what talking yeah, I, heads are. I thought about I was like, should I explain what a talking head is? A talking head is like when you're watching a reality TV show and you see a scene. Like, I'm, I'll use RuPaul's Drag Race, right? When they are up there dancing for their lives and it'll cut away to them being interviewed about what's going on on stage, that is the talking head segment, right? Where they're just sitting there straight to camera talking to it. Typically in reality shows, it's called a confessional, and in documentaries and scripted, it's called a talking head. Yeah. Because it's just a direction of where the camera is. So we get our first talking head, which is, in your opinion, what happened that night at the Abaddon Hotel? And then we find out through a series of intercut interviews that witnesses have no idea what happened it was a tragedy the sign is still there and police aren't answering questions and one guy just says people were paying for a scare experience and they got it which is like the understatement of the year it's a real crass way to talk about 13 or 14 people getting murdered yeah <laughs> i mean they were paying to get scared what's scarier than death? what's scarier than your impending mortality Commitment. Oh, Mikey. I mean, for you, yeah. I'm on fire tonight. <laughs> I'm feeling it. Mikey wrote that joke, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> on his divorce papers? It's just a card that says commitment on it, and I just say the word sometimes. <laughs> Mikey's joke writing is very much like when you play Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> no, I, it's, it's like uh, Ed McMahon on uh, Carson. I'm like, hmm, commitment. I like when Mikey makes jokes from this century. so we get a title card that says october 8th 2009 halloween haunted house opened its doors in abaddon new york a small town just outside new york city in rockland county i feel like october 8th is pretty late for like an opening night at a haunted house yeah like halloween horror nights and stuff starts in like september i know like september 21st or something crazy like that we have like a company here in town that only does haunted houses uh-huh. they own like a warehouse sort of nashville nightmares nashville nightmares that's what it is thank you mikey but they do a valentine's one yeah and like it's like a year-round thing it's just your exes who are just like how could you and you're like this <laughs> is scary i'm like or <laughs> Oh There's the God. one standing at the very end who's like, it's your baby. And you're like, ah, no. <laughs> I feel baby. like that's the only scare that wouldn't get Mikey. He'd be like, yes, <laughs> the ghost fade in. From... <laughs> I, I'm the, I like I just uh, I'm like, I'm the haunted house. Like at the end of the movie. <laughs> that's the lesson you learn is that you're the haunted house, Mikey. <laughs> it's in me this whole time. <laughs> Mikey, I know we won't be able to, but next year, 2022, we need to go to the Valentine's Day haunted house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm I, I was going to say for Halloween, you've got to come to L.A. and do Universal Halloween. Yes, horror. I want to. Yes. Uh, and and not scary farm. We got to do both. Will they let us get GoPro video? Yes and no. Universal's a little weirder about it because they they put like so much effort into it. So usually you can't oh get great video there, but knots you probably could. Hey, cool. if the world's better by October, I think we should do that. I think so too. Anyway, we cut to shots of emergency services outside the hotel. 
Uh, and we're hearing voiceover and talking heads kind of all intercut that are like, no one from the company is alive. The tour goers don't know what's going on. And it's very real news footage. Like, it looks like a local news channel. It I looks really good. appreciate, like, for as bad as the rest of the movie looks, where it looks like the devil shops at Party City. Yes. This part of the movie looks great. Do you have any uh, plates with Spider-Man on it? That's the devil <laughs> shopping at Party City. I, I apologize. For, like, he's doing a birthday party? He's not going for a costume? Why does the devil need a costume, Mikey? I'm having a baby shower. <laughs> I need those balloons that say 3-0. This is someone's uh, birthday. Uh, Lilith and I are having a baby shower. And uh, do you have any of those diaper cakes? <laughs> I hate those. I went with Adam's first wife is married to the devil. That is a good pull right there. That is a very apocryphal pull. Yes. yes. So we see some footage from one of the tour goers. There's a girl. She's about to go inside. And then we cut back to a talking head where a guy says, whenever people ask me what happened, you watch the video. You tell me. A video from a tour goer was uploaded to YouTube and it captured the scene inside as chaos broke out. Yeah. Then we cut to... Is this when you see both the clown running away and Sarah running up the yes. steps? Yeah. So yes. you see all these like things and you're like, what? what is happening? Although during this video, the girl's like, was that supposed to happen? When Sarah runs past them and runs up the steps and the clown runs by? And she was like, <laughs> I guess that's not supposed to happen. And the other guy's like, yeah, must be having technical difficulties on night one. I would think if I was in a haunted house and that happened, that that was part of it. And I would get scared thinking that there was something coming that I was not expecting. I would start walking backwards because I think <laughs> the clown's going to come up behind me and like scare the shit out of me, stuff like that. The only thing that would have tipped me off that it wasn't supposed to happen is Sarah running through the emergency exit. Yeah. Like that, uh, yeah, I was yeah. like, ooh, uh... But from this point in the movie, I knew that we were going to have to track that clown and we were going to have to find out why the girl went through the escape. And both oh, of those yeah. things were going to be important. Yeah, those are Chekhov's clown and escape hatch. Yeah. We cut through a seizure inducing hallway through a ghost bartender, uh, then downstairs towards the basement. As they try to descend into the basement, the people at the bottom of the stairway start pushing and running upward. It's a stampede. Everyone is screaming. They all run out. There are large roaring and whooshing noises, screams, but not fun screams. And they finally make it out an emergency exit at the back. And can we talk about how the fire department got here a minute before the uh, emergency started? <laughs> right. <laughs> they just turn on their lights like we were sitting here. A lot of times with haunted houses and stuff like that, there's at least paramedics on site. Yeah, but this was like a whole... They wouldn't turn on their lights because people... On their sirens because people ran out of the building. No, but I mean, there's almost always somebody there if people have a heart attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. but not like a fire truck. It was nice, though. You could tell like a local fire station, like, help them film. Because mm -hmm. really, if they're calling about people, like, getting stabbed, police would probably show up. Well, they're, <laughs> they're not talking about people getting stabbed because that's not what happened to people. Yeah, no one got stabbed that I know of. People stabbed themselves later, but that's much later. Yeah. How many people died? Like 14, I think. But there was blood everywhere. Yeah, some people slit their own throats, Mikey. We see it in the movie. Did you watch this movie? I did watch it. But <laughs> okay. did everyone? I don't think it really showed everyone slitting their throats. It just a couple it, of people. It didn't because that's not what happened to them. <laughs> Only one person slit their own throat and we yeah. watched oh, it. Oh, that's right. Their bodies are never found. <sighs> because they were sucked into the wall. 
Yeah. Did it show them getting sucked through the wall? No, it doesn't. Okay, okay. I was like, did I miss that? Or they just disappeared, right? But that, that it implies that that's what happened. There are clues to tell us that's what happened. Yeah. Okay. The emergency services arrive, and a crowd of people takes off across the parking lot. People are taken away on stretchers. And then we get another talking head that says, and then the 911 tape leaked, and that confused people even more. So at that haunted house we were talking about, they accidentally stabbed somebody with a real knife a couple years ago. Yeah, someone got stabbed uh, because I think it was someone switched out a prop. Yeah, it was like they thought it was a prop knife, but it was like a real knife. Yeah, so they stabbed somebody thinking it was going to retract the blade. Yeah. And it did not. Did that person die? No, 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 they're fine. I mean, they had a hole, but I mean. They had a hole? They sewed it up. Yeah, I mean, you know. They got stabbed. Yeah, you know. A hole. I know how stabbing works, Sam. <laughs> Mikey's um, almost a doctor, guys. We had no. a patient show up with hole injury. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you did. Oh, God. We had a patient show up with a bloody hole. Well, our mouth's not bloody, is it? <laughs> oh, God. Right, Mikey? Uh, right? Oh, oh, oh. Uh. oh, wait. Wrong podcast. That was on Romance Maxine. in the Pod. <laughs> yeah, that was Romance in the Pod. Don't sleep on then Romance it- in the Pod. You're missing some good shit. <laughs> what, did, what did Egg McMahon used to say? Ha-ha! That was it, Mikey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Thank you, Todd. Oh, God. Mikey, I had no idea you were 87 years old. Um, <laughs> so the 911 tape says, Hello, I'm at the old Abaddon Hotel. There's something, and then it crackles, and it just says, Into the wall. Please hurry. I don't want to die. And then the phone line goes dead. Yeah. They say that it was a severe malfunction, but they don't know what malfunction. It was a wall malfunction. They got sucked into the, that's a wall malfunction. <laughs> they got sucked into the wall. And the 911 call <laughs> didn't really tell them what was going on. Uh, but then a photographer got inside and posted photos to the internet. Okay, can I ask, and I know people like this exist, but why would anybody go in this place again? For the likes. You got to subscribe, like, and share. Oh, man. I would not do it for all of the engagement in the world. Neither would Mikey, but that's his commitment issue. (laughs) (laughs) You are correct, sir. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's That's an Egg McMahon thing. (laughs) Oh, God. This is why when Mikey's on his phone, I know he's Googling catchphrases (laughs) from 50 years ago. For the four people out there laughing at these jokes, thank you. (laughs) And you're welcome. I swear to God, Mikey's going to close tonight with, I don't get no respect. (laughs) A little danger field for you. So uh, this photographer goes into the hotel, takes a bunch of photos. He's got the bloody handprints on the walls and the floor, which debunks their gas leak theory. Yes. I like this part because he's like, I, I saw the staircase in the, in the basement and I was not going down there. So I clicked a couple of pictures and ran away because I got really scared. That's and I was like, right. oh, yeah. that's pretty realistic. Yeah, that is realistic. I would never go in the building. But if you made me, that's as far as I would go. Right. And I do love that the gas leak that the police were like gaslighting the population about is like, there's no way that could happen because there's blood everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But and claw marks, too. Yeah. Blood and claw marks. Sounds like my prom night. Oh, Mikey, what happened to you in your life that is making you make these jokes? I mean, hey, I'm not here to judge. Claw marks happen sometimes. No, I get that. It's the blood that started before it. Yeah. That was very pimply. The plot thickens and I don't like it. It's like quicksand (laughs) 
full of bad jokes that I just can't get out of. This is the first four minutes of Law and Order SVU, and I just want it to stop, Mikey. All right, do you want to know? Do you want to know about the blood and the claw marks? No, you, you perverts. I think I've I got been stuck clear. in a pit and had to climb out. Oh, I fell down a well. Mikey baby Jessica himself so he didn't have to go to prom so he could avoid commitment. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the part of the SVU episode where they get to the bar and the bartender who sees hundreds of people a day is just like, yeah, I remember her. She was with some guy and he was kind of mouthy, though. Had to throw him out. Anything else? Just come ask me. So you mean <laughs> to tell me that you fell down a well on your prom night? Sorry, that's my iced tea impression. <laughs> I don't know where this joke started, but I don't like where it ended. It started in the basement of the like house in this movie with blood and claw marks and people being sucked into a hell portal in the wall. <laughs> Paige, you cannot blame me for this joke. I have limited liability. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to be that sassy, I'm going to need you to put on some criticizing makeup. <laughs> You are correct, sir. Oh, no, God. God damn it. <laughs> Somebody get Ed McMahon's ghost out of this episode. I just want to finish this recording before I die. <laughs> so we cut to an interview with Sarah Havel, a member of the Hell House LLC. I mean, she's on the hook for all these dead bodies. Yeah, well, true. But she's the only one that lives. Wanky, blanky. This is where I figured out that she was dead. Yeah. I mean, if you look in the photo, she's the only one that is not scratched out. So I thought she was alive, but the reveal at the end did not shock me at all. It didn't shock me because in this scene where they're like, where have you been, though? She's like, oh, I've been staying with family mostly. I'm in a better place now. Yeah. Which is the thing that people say when they die. <laughs> <laughs> 99 out of 100 people interviewed after they died said, I'm in a better place. No, I place. mean, like, about people who died. Like, it would it would have been just as conspicuous if she had been like, I went to go live on a farm where I could run the pastures as much as I want. <laughs> I moved to a farm upstate, Paige. Well, this hotel was upstate, so yeah. <laughs> I went out for cigarettes. <laughs> anyway, she basically is like, yeah, it's probably a good idea that the town concealed the hotel because if people really knew what really happened, it'd be hard for them to deal with. And the interviewer, we find out later her name is Diane. The interviewer basically said, so we're all wondering what happened. I guess start from the beginning. And then she just dumps a bag of tapes yeah. on the table and says, it's everything. It's the tapes. And she says, why not go to the police? Like, why not go to them first? And she's like, she I ain't no snitch. <laughs> <laughs> Snitches get stitches, motherfucker. Uh, no, but she says, you'll see. Just basically like watch them and you'll see why I didn't give them to the police. But then a re real reporter would been like, no, really, just tell me why you didn't give them to the police. Yes. <laughs> Not falling for this. Actually, a real reporter would have probably just been like, here you go, police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but she asks, have you watched those? And she says, no. And she says, so you have no idea what's on them. And she just says, Hell House. And we Duh. cut to the Hell House footage, August 23rd through October 8th. 2009. So I feel like the business model. Let's start off here. Great. It's like if they did our <laughs> podcast without their day jobs. I don't really see how they're doing. Like we're all piled into a van like this haunted house is really going to make. We're going to get rich this year. It's going to happen for so us. So 
I think this is actually based on a group of people who do this, who do like the most famous haunted house. And there have been accidents and stuff inside. It's considered to be like an extreme haunted house. But they basically run it for like two months and that pays for the rest of their year. It doesn't seem like they, they treat this as if they've been doing it for so long that they're like, well known but i can't imagine that at the ages that they appear to be yeah they would be successful enough for this to be full-time where it's bankrolling them and all kinds of stuff now i did some sneaky research into the sequels and allegedly in the sequel you find out that they didn't have permission to use the hotel okay that's nuts yeah and that he and that Alex, the the main guy, knew what had happened there and did it anyway and was using it as a way to cut corners. But we don't really address that in this movie at all. They imply it, but... Yeah, so I got the impression that Alex and Mac knew about the place, knew about what had happened, and didn't tell anybody. But I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know, man. None of that really mattered to me because I was so scared shitless. Yeah. I also, I also don't think that would matter to people who are making a haunted house. I think they'd be like, oh, man. Cool backstory. It's just going to up ticket sales. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, if you know your haunted house lore, you know that more than once corpses, like actual corpses, have been used in decoration at a what? haunted house. And then people were just like, oh, it's real. Do we have to take it down? Like, that's people who make haunted houses, the more haunted, the better. <laughs> like, this is, yeah. I, I can't imagine it would have deterred them. Really. That's insane. Okay. Yeah. Todd, it's like making a spa, but like the opposite. It's like if you showed up at a spa okay. and they're like, we already have all of these towels. And you're just like, budget. <laughs> I assume spa's towel budget is crazy. They're in the car riding to the hotel. She's guessing movies and she is bad at it. But this is what I mean by like dialogue that we don't understand or care about just to fill space. Yeah. Uh, they stop along the way and Mac and Alex are fighting. I, I don't know why this is here. I, I guess maybe if they're trying to make it seem like Alex is kind of a contentious control freak. Anyway, they come back to the car. Alex is basically saying, if you're going to a haunted house, this is a pretty creepy drive. It's going to be great. It's going to be worth it for people to come from New York City, the 40 minute drive out to this haunted house, which if I knew there was something really cool that I was into and it was 40 minutes away, I'd drive 40 minutes. It's not that bad. I mean, it depends if you have good chemistry with her. <laughs> oh, no. I, d- I don't drive 40 minutes for that. No. <laughs> I absolutely would not drive any amount of time for a haunted house. I mean, let's say it's something that's not a haunted house. Let's say it's some sort of jacket emporium. <laughs> they're just jackets built for layering. Like, I mean, now you're talking my language, man. I, it sounds like I've got a fun Saturday plan. Have you tried an under jacket? It's a jacket you put on underneath the rest of your clothes. Mikey, what you see me wearing right now is an under jacket. They're called hoodies. When I go outside, I put on my over jacket, which is my leather jacket, of which I have many in many different colors. I have a red, white, and two black leather jackets. Well, while he's listing this out, I'm going to go drive 40 minutes to the cheese fondue (laughs) and hot dude factory. Um, That's also a 40-minute trip I'd take with you, Paige. (laughs) Just to like... Is Ryan Reynolds there? And they have Gouda. Let's go. Oh, this is going to be a Gouda Sunday. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Next up on stage, it's Pepper Jack. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Is this also a strip club, Mikey? Yeah. 
<laughs> but they're just wearing craft singles, like like a strip of craft singles over their bit. No, it's it's craft singles night here on Tuesday. <laughs> oh my bow, god! Bow, bow, bow. Coming up next to the stage, it's Cheddar. Oh, wait till you guys see Swiss. He's popping out of every hole. <laughs> oh, no. this is, I'm sorry. No, what? No. Why did I do this? Oh, God. Anyway, so they pull up to the back fence of the hotel and they basically climb through what is effectively a junkyard yeah. to get into the boarded up hotel. And it's abandoned, abandoned. There's nobody there. There's been nobody there for years. Yeah, like boarded up. Yes. But they get inside and. Sarah plays the piano a little bit and they kind of just start to find old stuff and explore around the house. They're honestly, this sounds terrible. Nothing happens of note in this film for the next 10 minutes. It really is just them walking around the hotel like, oh, here's a piano we can use. That'll be creepy. Here's the bar area. Like it's, it's setting the scene of what the haunted house will be. And them getting happy about things they're not going to have to buy at Party City later. Right. Or, well, and, and I think I would feel better about it if we had a better sense of the layout of the hotel. Because as it stands, by the time we get to the end of the movie, where I'm trying to figure out where people are running and going to, it's a maze. I have no idea. Especially at the end when the people who are interviewing Sarah go. Yes. Man, I have no idea how they get anywhere in that place. Yeah, not a clue. And at that point, I should know where everything is connected to, but I don't. I don't. And I feel like that's what these scenes kind of should have done. And they just really don't. They really kind of fall down on the job when it comes to giving us a true sense of where everything is and where people are and where things are. Yeah. I think if you want to compare it to like another found footage that does this a lot better, Paranormal Activity 3. You know that house inside and out yeah. by the time that movie is done. Like, you know every part of it. I honestly thought we were going to get more of a paranormal activity vibe when they set up the cameras. Yeah. Right. You know, the security cameras they set up, which makes sense as a haunted house would have to have that. But we never, ever get that footage. We get footage of the screen that those screens mm -hmm. are on, and that's it. I really feel like that would have been an effective use of that stuff, of those cameras. Yeah, well, and, and I think the reason we don't is because the plot would fall apart. Because what we're going to find as we go along is that we have one person who is seeing things and capturing thing on, things on film, showing them, and they're just like, you're messing with us. And I'm like, pull the footage! Like, you have yeah. the security footage! Or explain it by plot. Like, be like, go to pull the security footage, and he's like... Oh, those are just monitors. We're not actually recording any footage. Well, and they try to do that where they're like, there's no cameras in the basement. We can't get footage in the basement, which I think is them avoiding having to do special effects. I, I agree with that. I'm sure it's budget. Yeah. But like we've got cameras everywhere else and the scares don't happen in the basement until very late in the movie. So they explore through the bulk of the hotel, including the wine cellar and the dining room. They do pick up a little shard of plate that says it looks like Sarah, but it's cuter, but we never come back to it. 
Oh, I thought that that's why it chose Sarah. Is that what he slit his throat with? I thought so. Okay. And I thought that's why whatever this demon is or whatever it is, really, we never really get into that. That's why it chose Sarah. Okay. That makes sense. I do have some problems with the demon mythology of this movie because it does seem like it chose Sarah. Yes. But then it ends up using Paul through most of this movie and then it comes back to Sarah. Okay, so there are two demons, right? I think one's ultimately in control and that's the Kate's sort of, I call it the Dread Pirate Roberts demon because (laughs) that is like what it looks like on some (laughs) level, right? And then there's the little girl. I think the little girl is being controlled by the Dread Pirate Roberts demon, but ultimately their goal is to get Sarah. I think the little girl used the cameraman because they wanted to use him to help kill everybody else and then get Sarah. What? I'm making all of that up based on what I saw. I know. I was like, I, you, we watched a different movie. I just thought it was just random. It might have no. been. Yeah. All of that is straight up headcanon because the movie doesn't say any of that. I thought it was just ghostly fucking around. The movie gives us information <laughs> that I think informs this a little bit where we'll, we can talk about it when we get to it because it's a couple scenes from now. But I'll tell you what I think my theory is at that point. I think it's not super well thought out or explained in the movie. And I think that's part of the problem. But we'll get to it. So they go up into the attic and they do see a chain from the ceiling uh, yeah. and their walkie talkies start to malfunction. That's a little chain shadowing because one of them uses it later. True. They get a message to head down into the basement. They get a message to head down into the basement. As they do, the camera actually catches a hooded figure in the corner with a canted angle. Yeah, it's super scary. So they get down into the basement and there are numbers and letters written all over the wall as they come down the stairwell. Once they get down into the basement proper, there are pentagrams and what I would call stereotypical occult symbols on all the walls. Yeah. They talk about how they want to have a girl chained to a wall and then clowns. And I was like, why clowns? Clowns are not like, like, I don't know why they choose clowns, but they do. You're about to say clowns aren't scary, but this movie has scary ass clowns. Like, yeah. I don't see why they would be in your demonic. The themes don't match, Todd. Yeah. I could not figure out the theme of this haunted house to save my life. As far as I could figure, it was... Just a spirit Halloween store after hours. Yeah, Demonic Party City. Yeah. Yeah, Demonic Party City. When I'm screaming at the TV because I'm legit scared to death, I'm not scared because the themes don't match, you know? Oh, well, maybe if they picked a theme, they wouldn't be going out of business. They wouldn't be put in this situation in the first place. (laughs) LLC. He's right. Anyway, uh, we also find out that in the basement, there's a storm door at the end of the hallway, and that's how they're going to have people exit the haunted house. Yeah. This is where the cameraman starts talking about how he wants the girl, whatever girl they hire to be the actress downstairs, to be topless. The cameraman's super creepy in this movie. Like, he is not a good dude. He is, and he's our eyes and our narrator through part of it until they just randomly kill him halfway through, basically. Yeah, don't worry. A a girl gets him. I'm not so much worried about that as much as I'm worried about there's... He's our only audience analog. Yes, he should have been the empathetic one is what you're saying. Not only should he have been empathetic, we should have followed him through the whole movie. We lose him halfway through the movie and the movie just derails. Yeah, we should have lost a different person. Yeah, we should have lost a different person. We should have lost Sarah. It should have been Sarah the whole time. Yeah, and then he should have been the one who's doing the interview. Ooh. Or it's still her doing the interview and it we make it look like she escaped. I don't, whatever, but... 
it should have been the same person the whole time so that we have somebody that the audience can kind of sit in their role and watch it unfold. Right. And not only somebody consistent, also someone less creepy. Yeah. Yes. So while they're in the basement, they find out that there are a ton of books all over the ground and they're all Bibles. Which they sort of explain away because it is a hotel. Bibles are often in hotels, like every hotel Yeah, there's a Bible in every room for the most part. And so they chalk it all up to free props. So they ask Sarah in the interview, what was it like to live in an abandoned hotel? And she says, it took Tony and Paul a week to get the electricity going. And that's when we started sleeping overnight. And that's when things started to change. Yeah. So we cut to... A scene with them all in the bar in the hotel, and it's 30 days to opening night. So it's September 8th, 2009. This is my biggest conversation pet peeve scene because this scene goes on for almost 10 whole minutes, and we learn nothing. They stand around talking about Disney princesses, they talk about how they had a haunted house in Queens. That was like, they don't talk about it, but it was actually pretty fun. And then they had to like fire this one actor guy, but they still talk to him because they buy drugs from him. And then we get a little bit of like why they're doing this house here because it's creepy and they're trying to, you know, bank on word of mouth. But this is the first time they've ever had to sleep at one of their haunts is the only useful thing that we learn. Yeah, but they take 10 minutes to do all that. And it could have been explained in 30 seconds at most. It could have been explained in the scene before it. Well, yeah, (laughs) because a lot of that stuff we don't care about. We don't need to know the actor they fired that they buy drugs from. He never shows up. (laughs) We don't need to know about the Disney princesses. We don't need to know about the thing in Queens. None of it pertains to anything. It's just us listening to bad improv, and I can't stand it. It's the worst. (laughs) We cut to the security cameras where they're talking about blind spots and how they can't have any eyes on the basement. And this is when they decide that they're going to hire um, another actor who's like a bigger muscle guy to be in the basement to basically protect the girl. Yeah, and he's going to hold the keys to her chains, like her cuffs or whatever, right? And they reveal that he's going to be in the clown costume. So I immediately was like, oh, that's the clown leaving the basement. So I guess that doesn't work out. <laughs> like, Yeah, it doesn't go well for that person, apparently. No. We also find out that they have no moving props this year, which is important later when things start to move. Moving, yeah. Then we cut to footage from Paul in bed, and it says September 5th, which is a little strange because that means the dates are out of order for the footage. And they do this a couple times where they either give dates out of order or they give a date and however many days it is until opening and the math is wrong. (laughs) It bothered the shit out of me. (laughs) Where I was like, no, that'd be the 7th of October. (laughs) I do feel like I'd do something like that because I'm not good with math. Like, I I just would not know. It was was off by one day, twice, that I noticed because I was like, (laughs) I'm bad at math, but like, damn. Okay. Anyway, so the dates are out of order. This is September 5th. And the door behind him is backlit red, which is very a very interesting, cheap, in-camera effect that I think they use pretty well. I mean, I think they just put a red light in the hallway. Yeah. Like, Roxanne was back there, so she <laughs> turned on a red light, and that was it. Who sleeps in a hotel with a bunch of other people with the door open? Let's get let's, let's ask the real questions. No Mikey, one. no one. Extra question, why do the doors have locks on the outside? Wait, what? They have locks on the outside? Yeah. At the very end of the movie, when they come and find room 2C, it's locked. 
from the outside. Oh, well, that makes Good no question. sense at all. I think this scheme would be scarier if the door opened and then you see the red light. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, then it would literally be Roxanne and I'd be like, the police are in this? Oh my God. <laughs> they decided to get along for a handful of days to film this Party City movie. But that's never going to happen because Stuart Copeland is a douche. True. Anyway... Paul has the camera facing him and he's kind of just narrating into the camera about what's going on. And in stark contrast to the scene we just saw where they talked about nothing for 10 minutes, he talks about super important shit for a minute and a half. And because the movie is training us not to pay attention to the things they say, it's blink and you miss it. And it's kind of frustrating. But he basically talks about how everyone's kind of unhappy. They had high hopes for the trip. Sarah's the only girl. And then we see behind him, the door opens a little wider and a shadowy figure emerges. And he turns and says, hey, Sarah, what's up, dude? You cool? And she kind of walks in and out of the door and then leaves. Yeah. And he just says, well, that was fucking weird. That's it for me. See you in the morning. Sleep sweet. And ends the video. Right. He talks to the camera like he's a VJ from like 97 on MTV. <laughs> Maybe he was. It makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, this is like what Carson Daly would be like in a found footage film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, in my, if this was me, I'd be like, Sarah, Sarah. Yeah, I would have tried to wake her up because I would have been like, are you sleepwalking? Yeah. Or or it wasn't her. It was the ghost girl. It was the ghost girl, Mikey. The first thing I do is turn on my light and then I'd be like, what are you doing in here? Hey, everyone, Sarah's in my room. It's really weird. I, <laughs> I would have thrown my pillow at her at first. Like That would have been the first thing I did because I'm not going to touch a sleepwalker. Well, here's the other thing that bothers me about this movie. We establish that they do get the electrical working. And yet, every time it's nighttime, everyone runs around with goddamn flashlights as if they're in a cave. Yeah. Like, bitches flip a switch. Yeah. Flip a damn switch. That does drive me insane. I mean, and we are not to a point where I think they should leave yet, although we are very close to it. And it's yeah. stuff like that that really bothers me about these types of movies. There is a point where it no longer makes sense that anyone would be in this situation, right? Right. Or that they wouldn't turn the lights on. Yeah. So that kind of stuff really does bother me about these types of movies. They still scare the shit out of me, though. Yep. So we cut to the next day where he's shooting around the house. He catches Sarah and her boyfriend in their underwear for no good reason. And then he tells them that the actors are there. We cut to a talking head and it's the photographer who said, I actually found one police officer willing to speak to me. He was a first responder. The first body they came across was a Hell House member, but their throat had been cut and he was pretty sure that the wound was self-inflicted. We cut to happy videos of Sarah and Alex overcut with a voiceover that just says, what the hell happened in there? We'll never know. But there might be someone who does. Joey Scheffler, he made it out alive, but we all know how that ended. Authorities tried to talk to him, but he refused. And nine days later, he hanged himself. And as we're hearing this, the footage of them meeting the actors is angling on Joey. Yeah. Who is the bigger guy who's going to be the clown. Yeah, he becomes the clown. Yeah. So he is the guy who is supposed to be down there in the basement with the girl who's chained up that we see right. run away. Yeah. That we see run away. And we cut to September 18th, where Alex is talking to the actors who will be chained to the wall in the basement. And she asks, why are you filming everything? And he basically is like, well, it's for us to learn from our haunts every year. We do it every time. And then Paul says to catch a ghost. And she says, oh, yeah, I heard the rumors about this place. The owner supposedly hung himself. And this is where we get the first 
taste of the history of the hotel. Yeah. We find out that guests kept disappearing and he eventually killed himself and it's supposed to be haunted. And essentially she knows but isn't going to tell them. We also get the impression that Alex, the main guy, knows all of the story of the hotel and literally withheld that information from everybody else because he's like Stuart Copeland and is a douche. If you don't know who Stuart Copeland is, he's the drummer for the police. He's the guy who to this day (laughs) refers to Sting as his bass player. I'm a drummer. That's a douche move. I would never do that. (laughs) You are correct, sir. Oh, my God. God damn you, Mikey, and your Ed McMahon impression that's spot on. (laughs) We cut to another talking head where he's basically like, we'll never know what happened, how, you know, what happened with the owner or how the Hell House crew came to put on their tour there 20 years later. But we think most of the answers lie with Andrew Tully. And then we get to another talking head where he basically says, I don't think they knew anything about the hotel going in. I don't think they knew about Andrew Tully, uh, who named the hotel after Abaddon, the gateway to hell, essentially the demon that guards the gateway to hell. And that's why he built the hotel there. Like he moved to Abaddon because it was called Abaddon and he Mm -hmm. wanted to build a gateway to hell in Abaddon. And allegedly he was a devotee of a satanic cult. Right. When an 11 year old girl and her mother went missing straight up H.H. Holmes style, uh, (laughs) he was questioned multiple times, showed evidence of their departure But it killed his business and he hanged himself in the dining room of the hotel. Now, did either of you notice the year that he hanged himself in the hotel? No. What year was it? 1989. It is the height of the satanic panic. Yes. Which I don't think they wanted to delve into in this movie, but I feel like that's important because if this were me hearing this story, I'd be like, was there any evidence or was this just satanic panic? I'm 100% sure it was just satanic panic because there was never any evidence of actual demonic anything during the satanic panic. It was just a bunch of people that couldn't comprehend, oh, bad people do bad things. It's not the devil. It's just bad people. Yeah, but what about ACDC? They fucking rock, bro. They fucking (laughs) rock. Dirty deeds. Dirty deeds. ACDC fucking rules, bro. I like ACDC. Hell yeah. Dude, one of my favorite quotes of all time is an ACDC quote. Someone asked Angus, what do you say to the critics that say you've just written the same album 11 times? And they had a new album that just came out. And he said, that's ridiculous. We have 12 albums that sound the same. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, hell yeah, Angus. And he could ride that pony straight to the bank. Fuck him. And he did for like 50 fucking years, man. They had a great run. Good for them. Yeah. I will say, kind of like how this podcast is going, in between the scary parts, you just don't pay attention to this movie that much. Says the guy who's been on his phone for the past 40 minutes of this recording. I gotta learn about Egg McMahon. Did you just call him Egg McMahon? <laughs> <laughs> that is actually the McDonald's special <laughs> that they do once a year on his birthday. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so we do get a police photo of the guy hanging himself in the dining room. Yeah. And the dining room is going to be important later. And I do think this is where I'll get into a little bit of what I think the mythology of this movie is. I think that Andrew Tully was trying to create a portal to hell and needed what is called an elemental. Ooh, are we talking sex magic page? Yes, we is. A scarlet woman, if you will. Oh, yeah. And... Ooh. 
And now I don't know if it's the mother or the daughter, and that's the really sad part. But I think because we only really see the mother. I think the daughter is the little girl, right? Well, and, and that's the question. Is that the daughter or the mother? Because she's not truly a little girl. Yeah, she looks pretty mid-20s or late yeah, 20s. Yeah, but I think that he is successful and the power is more than he can understand or comprehend and it turns against him as well. So essentially he unlocks a portal in the house and it needed him to unlock it. But once unlocked, it doesn't need him anymore. And that's why it kills everybody. Yeah. Just like Hellraiser. Kind of, yeah. So that's why he ends up hanging himself because everyone kills themselves when they encounter it. And then the girl is that girl that went missing. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Wrap it up, boys. Mystery solved. Yeah. So it really it is truly the the house, like the hotel itself that is haunted and eating people, essentially. This is why you need to burn that specific haunted house down. Or at least leave. Or at least incorporate it with a limited liability. <laughs> that way no, the families can't sue. So Ugh. we cut to September 21st, 16 days to opening night. Uh, but this is where Paul is basically saying, are we absolutely certain that she can't be topless while she's chained to the wall? And they're like, well, why don't you ask her? And he's like, I'll save you a lawsuit. But again, this is supposed to be the person that we're following, which is like... Yeah, I mean, you you want him to be the first person who dies, and he is sort of the first person who quote-unquote dies, even though we see him later, I think he's you know in on it at that point. Yeah. Whatever. But he's our narrator. He's the guy we're following, and he's like a shitbag. Yeah. Um, this is also the first place where we see the clown mask, the one with the bleeding eyes, or Ugh. that they add blood to. Yeah. And we also find out that the dummies in this scene, the three clowns sitting there, don't move. And specifically, their heads don't move. move. We cut to Paul's room that night where he hears a strange noise, sounds like screaming. He's going to go investigate. He walks out into the hallway and it's woken everybody up except Sarah. And they think that maybe it's the soundboard because they're hearing kind of a crinkly static. Uh, They get downstairs and realize that part of the roof is leaking and that's part of what they've been hearing. So... They find out that it's the leaky roof and they basically write it off as that's what they heard that yeah. night. So they go to bed. Also, great guys. Thanks for checking on Sarah when everybody's awake. I think they just assume it didn't wake her up. What we'll find out later is she was probably making the noise. Yeah. I mean, well, right. That's why I mean, like you would automatically check on the female scream. We have one woman in this house. Let's check on. Let's like knock on the door. That's yeah. a very good point. It is a female or feminine scream and there is one woman and no one checks on her. Well, I would assume she was sleeping next to Alex and he is awake and he doesn't come out and go like Sarah's missing. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that's fair. So the next day they're in the kitchen. They're talking about having a chef as part of the haunted house. And we meet the clown or the guy who's going to play the clown up close. He's got like a trick that he does with his eye. Oh, that oh, that that messed me up, man. Thinking about it right now gives me the heebie to jeebie. It's his real eye. What? Yeah, he says don't do it. It's dangerous. Oh, I thought it was like a prosthetic, like he didn't have an eye, and they just, oh, that makes it even more gross. Yeah, and they say that they found him at the gas station. We get kind of a a bit of a tour at this point of some of the other haunts that they've hung, and then we cut to later that day where Paul asks where Alex and Sarah are. We hear that they went into the city to get more stuff. Yeah, they went to Party City. Right. (laughs) That's why they said city. Yeah. I mean, at one point, there's like a giant spider. It looks super lame. It's this scene because he's like, where's Tony? And he walks down what I would, I called it Spider Alley. (laughs) Past all the dummies in the bar and he's looking for Tony and he comes upon that dummy, the clown dummy with the bloody eyes 
looking down into the basement and he's just like, good one, Tony. What the fuck are you doing here? And then he walks back to Mac, who's on the couch, and Tony is with him, and there's no way he could have traveled that fast. So he rushes back down, and the clown mannequin's gone. He turns the lights on in the basement, and the clown dummy is now a dummy again. He shows everyone the footage, and they're just like, that's pretty creepy. How'd you do that? Like, they do not believe him. Well, and he is sort of this unreliable dude. Like, I understand why no one believes him, but man, this really scared me. Like, that turn? Ugh, no. I literally jumped out of my skin. Figuratively. At this point, <laughs> he knows what he saw. I, if I were him, I'd get the fuck out of this hotel. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, at this point, I understand maybe why everyone else stays because they don't believe him. Right. He should leave. He should not yeah. be there anymore. If this was me, I would run away lighting matches as I ran out the door. Yeah. The next day, they're shooting a commercial, which I don't know what the fuck this commercial ends up being, but they don't seem to shoot anything useful. The commercial is just really bad improv in this scene. They have two, I think you call them haunts? Is that what you call them? Freaks or haunts, yeah. Okay, so they have two freaks or haunts, as you say, Paige, that are there. They're like pantomiming like this love triangle. It's really dumb. The only reason this is here is so we can see Sarah creepily staring at what looks like a statue of the Virgin Mary or something like that. Right. Kind of off by herself in the lawn. Yeah. And they're like, Sarah, what are you doing? And she's like, it breaks her days. And then she yeah. walks away from it. Yeah. We cut to uh, September 26th, where they say it's 11 days till opening night, which again, that's the seventh. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, daylight savings time. Yeah, that's what it is. They saved a whole day, Paige. Yeah. Oh my God. For the farmers. <laughs> but so this is where we get a tour through most of the house with the haunts complete. Yeah. Um, and then we get to Spider Alley where they turn on the strobe lights. Mm-mm. And as the lights are strobing, okay. an additional Mm-mm. person appears Mm-mm. in the hallway. I was really freaked out on this. I, yeah. I got scared in the scene. Mikey, this scared the shit out of me, too. Like, I hated this part so much. It made me uncomfortable. I wouldn't say I was super scared because the second they turned the strobes, I was like, oh, there's going to be an extra person in there. Yeah, you say that like it makes you not scared. Like, I knew that, too. Well, then I'm looking for it. Oh, same. Me, Uh, too. (laughs) I literally lean in and then I start screaming like an eight-year-old girl. It's so scary. I think something's going on with Paige because I was scared. I was scared multiple times. I I ended up closing my eyes during a scene in this movie, which... I mean, I will say it's unnerving and it's creepy, but I'm looking at it and I'm just like, this is the perfect place to add another person and have it move forward towards us. Well, yeah, it's kind of like being in a haunted house. We know what's going to happen. It still was scary. Yeah, I don't think it's scary if I know what's going to happen. Oh, my God. I wish I wish I reacted that way. I knew everything like, that was going to happen. Was gonna, yeah, we yeah. all knew he's going to pop yeah, up. Yeah. Then why were we scared of it? Oh, this is why oh. jump scares don't get me. I know death's going to happen. I'm still scared of that. Oh, too. I'm so I'm scared, I'm Mikey. Really... I'm so scared of death's crippling embrace. I'm not. <laughs> my back already hurts right now. So <laughs> I don't know well, if like, you guys know... know what it's like lugging G cups around, but it is no party. now he runs out of the strobe section because tony keeps him locked in which is a dick move he finally gets through and then he barfs yeah he legit throws up on the floor yeah yeah but i mean like i understand that like i love strobe lights like i'm into it used right it could be a fun night you know what i'm saying but like i don't (laughs) like being scared and if i'm locked in somewhere i'll get like super claustrophobic maybe not claustrophobic because it's a different sort of a feeling but like I'll feel very trapped and man, my anxiety will go through the roof and I would have been beaten on that door just like he was 
And then because I'm like so hyped up because of that, sometimes I'll like my gag reflex will go insane. Like I understand why he threw up. Jesus. Okay, but he's the one who like he leaves, right? No, nobody leaves. Nobody Mikey. leaves. I thought one left and later hung himself. Not a single person leaves. He was really scared and he was very convincingly scared. It yes. shows them the footage and there are shots where the extra guy appears. So he has proof of it. Yeah. And they don't believe him and they don't leave and he doesn't leave. I would have left. And this is the point where everyone else should leave, right? At this point on, they're asking for it. <laughs> <laughs> I would have obviously left. Or at the very least, I would have stopped sleeping there. Yes. Like, it's one thing to be there during the day or even in the early evening, but I ain't fucking sleeping there. Hell no. Hey, Todd, would you mind uh, going to turn on my uh, nightlight? It's just a red light in the hall. <laughs> yeah, let me get your Roxanne light for you. Yeah. I hated this movie so much. It affected me so badly. Some embarrassing things happened to me because I watched this movie. Let's just say that. Did you pee a layer? <laughs> uh, no, but we had a handyman come out and finish a, our cupboard under the stairs. So Natalie has like a reading nook under the stairs. It literally is like a Harry Potter themed reading nook that she wanted when we bought this place. So he was doing that today. And I had to show him the crawl space under the house oh, no. because he needed to go in there and move like this thing. So I take him down there. I leave the door open so we have some light. And it's windy out because it's storming. So we're down there. I'm there with a grown-ass man. And then there's me. And and the crocodile. <laughs> from Crawl, right? <laughs> and anyway, so we're in the crawl space. No other light than what's coming in from the outside. And then the door slams shut. And I go, ah! And the handyman guy just goes, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then I ran over to the door and opened it again and then leaned something on it so it stayed open. I think I would ask something like, how many crawl spaces did you have to go through before you like stop being scared of crawl spaces? Oh, you mean I should have asked the handyman that? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to ask the handyman a question that pretty much boils down to, hey, at any point should I expect to become a real man? <laughs> no. I, no. There's no shame. I, mean, I think exterminator would be the hardest job in the world because all you're yeah. doing is like going into crawl spaces and then looking for spiders. No, thank you. Hard pass. Hard pass on the spider. But like, and also last night after we watched this movie, I had to sleep with the lights on and Natalie was not happy about that. It was very scary. I was very scared of this movie. Okay. That's, Other people uh, yeah. were too. I'm the broken one. Do you know how <laughs> sharp a knife would have to be to go through seven layers and a leather jacket? Oh, so sharp. That's why I yeah. layer up so much. Todd, you shouldn't be as scared. You're dressed like a uh, medieval peasant that was inscripted into the king's army. <laughs> It's called the peasantry, Mikey. Oh. And as a one percenter, you should know that. <laughs> I don't bother myself with those details. <laughs> anyway, so Paul doesn't go doesn't go away. He doesn't run away at this point. We cut to a talking head where they're basically like Alex was his own worst enemy, where he basically kept talking people into staying. Yeah. We cut to the next night where Paul is sleeping and he wakes up, see that his door is open, and there's a dummy in the hallway. It's the same clown dummy with the bloody eyes. Yeah. It's at the base of the stairs. And it also woke up Mac. And he says, did you move it? And he says, no, I was fucking sleeping. What's it doing here? And they go and tap it on the head. It's a mannequin. It's not a person. Yeah. But as they do, there is somebody standing at the end of the hallway. And it turns out that it's Sarah. And she's standing against the wall just staring. And she's backwards talking. Yeah. 
which is a cool effect, but you can't see her face. Yeah, so it doesn't it doesn't have some unless you're really listening in for it, yeah. and then you're just like Twin Peaks. Um, so. <laughs> but it's all, it's all done in VO, I guess is my point. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely all done in VO. I tried to look and see what she said. I couldn't find it. So if you fun fact wise know what she's saying backwards, let me know. But it sounds like the very end of a It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode. Yes. When they show their production company, yep. they always have a backwards talking hidden message. It yep. sounds like mm-hmm. that. They wake her up and she freaks out. Uh, they walk back kind of up the stairs and the dummy is gone. And at this point, it's time to leave the damn house. Yes. Because either somebody is pranking you in a very scary way or it's fucking haunted and you just had a thing appear out of nowhere while everyone else is asleep and you found a girl backwards talking against the wall. It's time to fucking leave. Yeah. yeah. I do not believe in any of this type of stuff. Like, I don't believe demons exist. I don't believe in, like, the spirit realm or ghosts. But if any of this happened, I would be so gone. I would not be around anymore. There would be a Todd-shaped hole in the wall, and then I would be walking from Colorado to Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> so you believe in the, maybe the possibility. If no. it starts to happen, you'd be like, I am gone. Listen, I don't believe in it at all, but I ain't going to fuck with it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it does not exist unless it does, and then I'm fucking out. Okay. Um, no, okay. Just... no, 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 no. That, that last explanation is the, the best one. Yeah. <laughs> the, it doesn't exist unless it turns out it does, in which case I am fucking out of here. <laughs> I'll just take that as agreeing with me. Thank you. Yeah, he, he did in a roundabout way, and I like yeah. it. Yeah. There's no shame in that. Like, no. You can be like, I don't believe in de- literal demons, but you can be like, but if one shows up, I know what it is, and I'm leaving. I, yeah. Listen, I believe in facts, and if there's a demon standing in front of me, that's a fact. I have to leave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, best case scenario in this house, you have two of, two of these people you work with who are like maybe losing it and then planning to murder everyone. That's best case scenario at this point. Worst case scenario, literal demons is like there's a if there's like leeway between them, all of it bad. Yeah, yeah. And even in your best case scenario, Mikey, that's reason enough to get the fuck out and go. Yeah. Yeah. When your best case scenario is murder. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Plan B. Make a tape. Cut off your hand and attach a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> so they walk past the dining room. And there's nothing there. And then the clock chimes and they run back past the dining room that's now set with candles and the mannequin is back. Love this. It freaked me out. I like. Oh, I was so scared. Like there are so many moments in this that I jumped. Mm hmm. And this isn't like a big sting or a jump scare. It's just like, oh, no, my no, no, God, just the candles the... being lit. Yeah. I was just like, ah, I oh. love how haunted house movies love them. Oh, I hate them. the thing that drove me nuts, though, is that instead of running out of the house into the street, down to the car to drive away while the house burns to the ground. Yes. They run upstairs to their bedrooms. And I was like, what makes you think you'll be safe there? These oh, are no. beings that are breaching the corporeal realm. <laughs> No, I would be like, joke's on you, asshole. I'm using this candle to burn the house down. (laughs) Thank you for giving me the ability to burn this place down. You did this to yourself. (laughs) Why are you burning yourself? Why are you burning yourself, Mikey? (laughs) So we cut to the next day where Alex is hugging Sarah, trying to convince her that everything's okay. And then we cut to Paul's room 
And at this point, I'm like, why the fuck are you still here, man? You saw all that shit the last night. It's all on tape. You saw the extra ghoul. You saw the mannequin turn to look at you. All of it's on camera. Yeah. Why the fuck are you still there? Yeah. Th- this movie should have ended there. But I mean, it's not a good movie if no one dies. That's so true. like, I understand why it doesn't. And it's a very scary movie. Like, But it bothers me that they don't react the way people would react. Yeah. Counterpoint, they could have left and been like, okay. Let's not sleep there anymore. It's actually haunted, but let's still do the haunted house. We're going to make a ton of money. Yeah, you could have. Think of how much money we'll save if the spirit realm's doing the haunting for us. Yes. Quick, let's LLC so they can't sue us. (laughs) (laughs) You know it's not dead? Capitalism. (laughs) True. Not yet, but we're getting close, Mikey. (laughs) So he says into the camera, it's three days till the opening of Hell House. Everyone's a little stressed. And he says, I think we have no business being here. So why are you here? Yeah. And then he says, Alex is more confident than ever, but Sarah doesn't look good. She usually does. That's all for me. Sleep sweet. Then he wakes up in the middle of the night. Someone's in the room. Fuck. This this yeah. this is it. This is the scene that this got me. I oh, closed man. my eyes. I hid. I did not close my eyes, but th- this got me. This is the jump scare that got me. Finally, one that got you cuz this broke me as a person. Uh, but it looks like fucked up Sarah, but it's not Sarah. The eyes are fucking terrifying. He pulls the sheets over his head and then this movie does something so so smart where they lingered under those sheets for just too long yeah yes like a beat longer than they needed to and then he pulls the sheets down and i fully expected her to be gone but no she is right fucking there yeah it's really terrifying and apparently nobody wakes up well yeah apparently but he and i both screamed yeah (laughs) it was terrifying yeah i don't really remember exactly what video made it to the facebook group but i reacted to this one the same way i did in that video which is just me screaming my dog running away from me (laughs) it was scary i was scared yeah i don't like watching these kind of movies by myself I get scared or same. I mean, I was very scared and my girlfriend and two dogs were both around me. We cut to the next day where Tony picks up the camera and doesn't seem to notice that there's fucking blood spatter on the wall in a bedroom. Like this isn't one of the rooms that they've done for a haunt. But as the camera passes over the room, there's blood spatter and he's looking around like, well, Paul's stuff is here, but we can't find Paul. And I'm like, oh, maybe the blood spatter is a clue. Maybe. I don't think he'd be a good cop. None of these people would be. They aren't even good haunted house runner people. No. Obviously, their business is going out of business. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're with me. (laughs) I don't think you said business enough in that sentence, Mikey. It's (laughs) business. Oh, yeah. It's business time. I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's type of business. It's business time. Ooh. So Tony takes the camera downstairs. No one can find Paul. No one's called him. They call him. And there's just screaming from the phone. And they're like, what the fuck was that? I don't know. It's my ex. Oh, it's the Valentine's Day (laughs) Halloween haunted house again. At first I was like, oh my God, that guy's phone is broken. And then I remembered it was 2009. So that phone could probably last much, much longer than just that one fall. Yeah. It was his stock investor. We've got problems. Sell GameStop. Sell, sell, sell. (laughs) So that night, Mac is in the hallway. Everyone's up. 
they hear somebody downstairs and they think it might be Paul. They hear the piano playing, so they go to the front room. Can we talk about the nonchalant way they handle their friend going missing? But they also say that he's done it before and he's kind of a dirtbag. Yeah, they sort of explain it away. Yeah, he's done it before. Everybody leaves for 36 hours without a car or food or money or gas or, you know. Their belongings. <laughs> and leaves blood on the walls. Yeah, it's completely normal. What's interesting is when they try to go through the front room, we get a shot of basically down one of the halls behind them for a quick flash, and it's him in that plaid shirt they found on the floor. Oh, really? Yes, and Ugh. it's not the shirt he's wearing in a couple scenes, but like it's it's like him as he was which is a little interesting but it's blurry so like you really have to look for it yeah i had my head in my hands for a large portion of this next few minutes so like i probably missed that completely but i do love how the two guys who are like one's holding the camera and one's leading the way the guy in the front gets a little bit further away from the guy in the camera the camera guy's like wait up man don't don't leave me it's scary in here like that is that would be me a hundred percent what i think is wild is that they go down into the basement and there's lights in the basement because we've been mm -hmm. in the basement. Yeah. And they're still using damn flashlights. Yes. And they still have electricity. Like this is another one of those things that cannot be explained. But I need explained for it to make sense to me. It doesn't yeah. make it not scary though. Like this is still super scary for me. Yeah. So they are looking around the basement. They don't see anything. They're trying to get through the storm door. And they notice or rather Tony notices that the clown mannequins heads have turned. Yeah. And their heads aren't supposed to be able to move. And they look back and they're back to normal again. So they run back through the basement and they think it's Paul fucking with them. But then they find Paul in the basement catatonic. Yeah. And he does not look okay. Like sitting on the ground, staring in front of him, no expression on his face, not saying anything. So like good friends, they take him to a hospital. And oh, no. Because they're really concerned about him. Nope. Nope. They just put him to bed. Yep. <laughs> And then they're like, it's weird. He hasn't talked to anybody since it happened. Why isn't he coming to work? <laughs> Paul, Paul, have we been insensitive enough yet? Paul? <laughs> he hasn't ate anything in 48 hours, but, you know, he's done it before. Yeah, but this is where the very next day, this is where Tony tries to quit. And here's my thing. He has footage of those heads turning. And we have all of Paul's footage from before. Yeah. And if he had just looked back at the footage on that camera, he'd have footage of the girl. The like Ooh, the little ghost girl. girl. Yeah. The little girl. Yeah. The one that took Paul, right? That took Paul, yeah. Yeah. And they have this weird, nonsensical conversation that's not sound mixed well. We can't really hear what they're talking about. We don't know. I didn't hear reason. it at all. I didn't hear it at all. I just heard whispers. Yeah, you can't figure out why he's gonna be staying, but he decides to stay. Someone in the Facebook group says they go into that conversation in the second one. But there is no conversation that would talk me no. into staying. No, I'd be no. gone. Yeah, I don't care how broke back the moment is. I'm not <laughs> staying for anything. I, she, he was literally like, Paul, you have to stay. I'm pregnant. With a ghost baby. <laughs> like, that's how serious they're talking. I'm like, there's nothing this serious. Like. You can't be like, I'm dying of cancer, and this is what I want to do for my last Halloween. I'm like, what is going on that's so serious? That is not a make-a-wish anyone will honor. At the end of the conversation, Tony hugs him. is like, I'm so sorry that I thought the ghost would get me. Let's well, just go back to work. He apologizes to Alex in like the next scene, and he's like, I'm sorry I said I was going to leave, you know, whatever, which is bullshit. 
We right. cut to... I'd be still gone. I don't care about... Apparently, it's a conversation about the company closing down, but I'd be like, who gives a shit this place is haunted? Yeah. We have limited liability. liability. We are fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we cut to uh, Sarah's interview where the interviewer is like, did you notice anything about Alex that raised alarms? Like, was Alex of sound mind? Did he seem like he was okay? Was he fit to run the show? And she was like, well, yeah. And he told me it would be okay. Okay, and I believed him and they say why did you not leave and she says Alex wasn't going to leave so I had to stay and so then we cut to some of the intercutting of the footage from that night yeah where they're asking people who were there like did you see anything that raised alarms and one of them says well that clown guy was running against traffic from the basement which we now know is Joey yeah and then we get an interview that says we got close to the bottom of the steps and couldn't move anymore nobody could because everyone who's in the basement was trying to get out we cut to opening night and Alex is like rehearsing a weird speech about like, I'm so proud of you guys. It's very weird. This is when Tony apologizes to him. He's like pep talking the actors. Yeah, it's like a pep talk for opening night, but it's like a terrible pep talk. It's so <laughs> yeah, weird. Again. Yeah. I can't believe this business is not doing well. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we, we get a cut of Paul's bedroom where it looks like he's asleep. Or is, is he? he? And the camera moves away, leaving him sleeping. Do you guys think this is a metaphor for the bailouts and like how like <laughs> capitalism businesses need to fail and not move to haunted houses and only causes more pain? No. No, this is definitely an allegory for uh, the Odyssey. I don't know. I can't believe you didn't see it. <laughs> the three clowns or the sirens. <laughs> <laughs> you just call me Homer because do. Oh. <laughs> Paige, he wrote that joke. I wish everyone could see the faces they made. I felt like a terrible loser. You are correct, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Good Lord. Uh, So we cut to opening night outside. There's a huge line. Uh, They're prepping the girl who's chained in the basement. If by prepping, you mean just cutting her shirt off of her. Yes. Uh, and this is also where she senses something's wrong. And she also is the one that's like, I haven't seen Paul in a couple days. Is he okay? Yeah, is he all uh, right? And she's asking, like, is everything all right? You'd tell me if something was wrong, right? And he says, that's oh, fine. It's not a big deal. So they continue prepping. Paul is still sleeping. And everyone's complaining about it. They're like, he's still sleeping. I'm like, he went missing. And <laughs> is catatonic. Like, of course he's still sleeping. Yeah, he's, he's not. still catatonic. Yeah, he's like, like they're letting him die. coma. Like, he's, yeah. Take him to the hospital, you sociopaths. Apparently, Hell House LLC does not offer a health insurance plan. <laughs> Their health insurance plan is just rolling up to the hospital and just, like, pushing him out. <laughs> yeah. Make up a name. we cut to security cameras where alex and tony are monitoring them and then we have footage from max head mounted cam who's kind of monitoring and walking through the haunt yeah and then we have cuts from the tour goer tapes so people start going in they keep the line moving they kick up the strobe lights and we come back to the video that we saw from the beginning and then we see Sarah pop through one of the emergency exits to talk to Mac. And she says, I think I just saw Paul and runs out into the haunt. And then we hear that Joey ran out of the basement and there's a huge 
noise. So they go back upstairs to find out what's going on. Sarah goes to run upstairs. And in doing so, she runs across that path and up the stairs at the exit, which is where the girls who we saw at the beginning are like, I don't think that's supposed to happen. Yeah. And we get upstairs and they say, we don't have eyes on the basement, but something is up. Alex can't hear because of the walkie talkies and they're malfunctioning, which they have been this whole time. Then we cut to recovered tour goer tape where we see the woman screaming and chained and we see the clown run away. We also see people in robes standing around in the basement and they're blocking the storm door. So there is no way out. Yeah, these are like the Dread Pirate Roberts people. They're literally just like hooded figures, really. Yeah, and they're taking the girl who's chained to the wall. Yeah. So they can't get good footage of them, but it's, I mean, it's a scary looking, eerie it, hooded This whole figure. part is scary. This is all scary. It reminded me a lot of, honestly, Paranormal Activity 3 at the very end. That's way scarier. They both scared me. And it just reminded me of that because it's a hooded figure or hooded figures going after the cameraman. Yeah. People start running out of the haunted house, kind of like we saw in the footage before. Mac is trapped, but he manages to lead a few different people out of emergency exits before he gets trapped in the house. We don't really know what happens to him until he grabs Tony and sends Tony into the basement. The door slams behind him with Tony trapped inside. So we have to assume that Tony dies in the basement. Yeah. Mac and Sarah or Mac runs into Sarah and they decide to run up into the attic. I don't know why they go to the attic instead of an exit, but they do. There's no reason to do that. I thought maybe they were going to try and get to a window and climb down, but that's they just run to the attic, which makes no sense. They just run to the attic where Alex is hanging from the chain on the ceiling. Yeah. And the hooded figures are there. The camera tumbles to the floor as we hear Sarah scream again. We cut back to her interview where she says, I came down the stairs from the attic and when I got to the front door, the police were arriving and I was just happy to be alive. They didn't ask me any questions. They just let me out. And the interviewer's like, nothing happened from the attic to the front door. You just left? Like, how was this kept from the public? What's going on? And then she says, I'm just feeling really tired. Could we take a break? And they say, yeah, we'll get you some water and a room to rest in just a few hours hours and she says actually i have a room it's room 2c you can find me there but you should try to get into the house and see what's inside and they're like well we haven't been able to get permits and they're like and she basically is like oh is that the only thing holding you back <laughs> she's like oh you're not gonna take a you're just not gonna break in you idiots bunch of fucking pussies you're not just gonna break, go break in. into this clearly <laughs> haunted house <laughs> why, why would you let a little thing like laws <laughs> and common sense stop you Don't you want to be a real man? (laughs) Badly, but the handyman made it clear that I was not, Mikey. (laughs) So we cut to Sarah has left and the interviewer and her producer are all talking and they decide that they're going to take a camera and they're going to go to the house. Uh, Nope, nope, nope. I think all the footage she gave you is enough to make your story. It's so dumb. Like you would never do this or should never do this. Yeah. On their way out, they stop at the front desk and ask that if Sarah comes down, that they just let her know that they'll be back soon. And so the woman at the front desk says, okay, what room is she in? And they said, 2C. And she's like, our rooms don't have letters. And they're like, oh, it's Sarah Havel. And, and she's like, we don't have a Sarah Havel staying here. And at this point, I was like, 
I bet the haunted hotel has a two C. I know. Dun dun dun. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what kind of reporter is this? She's in room six one six six, and Sarah's down the hall at two C. I mean, come on, put the pieces together. Yeah. <laughs> you idiot. Uh, this is where we get the title card that says Mitchell stays behind to catalog the footage, and what he sees after Diane left is unexplainable. And we're gonna pause now to let Paige explain it. Um. So we cut <laughs> to a woman screams as the camera moves through the house. All the decorations are still up. A giant hooded figure is there. It's Sarah and Paul. Yeah. Paul is catatonic. Sarah is clearly trying to get from the attic to the front door, but Paul grabs the camera from her and bludgeons Sarah to death with it. Yeah, it was cool. It was a cool shot. She collapses to the ground and we get shots of Sarah dying from blunt force trauma with Paul standing over her until she is dragged away by an unseen force. Yeah. It was super eerie, man. That's not jump scary, but man, I was super uncomfortable watching all of that, especially <laughs> waiting her to get dragged away and then her getting dragged away, man. Oh, yep. We see Paul's feet start to back away. He bends down to pick up what I do think is that plate. I thought so too, Paige. Yeah. It's not super obvious what it is, but that's what I thought. But he picks it up and it's implied that he slits his own throat with it off screen where he then collapses to the ground, dead, yeah. just as the police break through the windows to gain entry. Diana and her crew, meanwhile, present day, get into the house, and they kind of follow the haunt route, um, where they're seeing bloodstains everywhere. They're walking through the kitchen on the tour route. They decide not to go into the basement, and we start to get some intercutting with previous footage. They go through to the other side of the kitchen her phone rings it's mitchell she ignores it they go upstairs where she finds room to see oh i get it you open the door to see uh, what happened so sarah's sitting on the bed and they're like sarah are you okay and she turns and her face is bloody and gray essentially the wounds that she has from being bludgeoned to death yeah. And the people in hoods advance on Diane and her cameraman, and they are super fucking dead at this point. Yeah. Cut to black. And, and that's, that's the movie. movie. That last scene's scary, though. Oh, it's all super scary, man. I was honestly more scared by some of the jump scares in the middle of the movie or sort of towards the end of the movie than I was of that final scene. But man, it's all super scary. So having seen it, having talked about it, what do you guys think? Give me some of them final thoughts. Um, it's all right. Oh, my God. Wow. Paige is like on a roll. I, I didn't dislike it. There are parts of it that I really, really like. Oh, um, I hated it. I don't know that I'll watch it again. <laughs> I hate this movie so much. It is extremely scary for me. And there really isn't anyone to root for, anyone you're hoping survives, and nothing is really explained. Counterpoint, sure. my favorite character of the movie, the guy I rooted for from the whole time, he does survive, Mitchell. <laughs> you are the kind of guy who just stays behind and does the work, <laughs> gets shit done. I get it, man. I understand why you would uh, you know, empathize with Mitchell. But man, this mm -hmm. movie was so, so scary for me, and then left me with so many unanswered questions, I was mad. Like... If Sarah was dead this whole time, who were they interviewing? The ghost of Sarah. How did they put a mic on a ghost? Very carefully. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that as much as I have a problem with just that the mythology of this movie is kind of unclear. 
And I feel well, that's like what I mean. There are so many unanswered questions. Yeah. The main question is what conversation would keep you in this haunted house? Not a single there damn one. one. I need that serious outside conversation. They'd be, be like, like Henry Cavill's in there and he's naked, but only if you stay. <laughs> he just goes up to Tony, hugs him, is like, I have your family kidnapped. I will murder them <laughs> if you leave this house. And you need to apologize right now in front of everyone else, or they will be I will murder your little sister right now. Mikey, if that was me, I'd be like, listen, Samantha had a good run. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, I'm out. I'll see you guys later. Oh, God. But I mean, I think I might run away, too. I don't know. Yes, you would. I would have definitely left this house. Yes. Yeah. Me saying I hate it should be like a badge of honor for these types of movies because I am the kind of person that this is made to terrify. And it does terrify me. And I understand why people like this movie so much because it Mm -hmm. is like a super low budget, you know, almost a nothing budget movie that is honestly really effective at what it's trying to do. And that's so hard to do on a budget like this. And I will say that this is probably the first time since the pandemic started that I really enjoyed being scared. So I am maybe pushing for more scarier films lately. Well, that's terrifying to hear. I just have I haven't I haven't enjoyed uh, scary movies during this whole thing. But now I really like this one. I really liked watching it. Are we ready for some fun facts? Yeah. So, Paige, can you hit us with some fun facts? Yeah. Teach me about LLCs. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is just a business class. You're gonna want to file in either Texas or Delaware. And yep. <laughs> anyway, fun facts. Uh, there's not a ton because it is you know a, a low budgety movie. Yeah. But. After that scene with the strobe lights where Paul runs out of the strobe light room and throws up, that's real and not scripted. He actually threw up really? real on camera. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. The film was shot at a real haunted house attraction in Layton, Pennsylvania called The Haunting at a place called the Waldorf Hotel. Okay. So essentially the haunt that they shot at took over an abandoned hotel just like the movie. So like okay. there was an abandoned uh. hotel, it turned into a haunted house, and then they filmed this movie about turning an abandoned hotel into a haunted house at that abandoned hotel slash haunted house. It almost writes itself, Paige. It makes sense. It, I wish it made more sense. Um, so <laughs> the anytime you see the clown costume and mask standing, it is a person, not a mannequin, because the one mannequin they had that fit the costume wouldn't stand up straight. So a person <laughs> always had to be in it standing still. That's wild knowing that a lot of times when that happens, they walk up to it and smack it in the face. Yeah, to prove right in the head. Yeah. Yes. Like, well, oh, so someone's wearing that mask. Somebody's when they're doing wearing that. that mask when they're doing it. All right. Uh, the eye trick that Joey does in the movie is his actual eye. Oh, you mentioned that. That's so gross. He says not to try it. The producer of the film is uncredited in the movie but plays diane's cameraman throughout the film and in interviews and in the final sequence and the writer director is also uncredited in the movie but he plays the cameraman with the tour group in the main sequence so the tour footage from the beginning yeah so there we go those are our fun facts well thank you for your fun fun facts and doing a little research for this because i was trying to find box office information and there really isn't any because it didn't get a theatrical release. It did well at festivals and then went to like streaming on demand stuff. Uh, and they don't release numbers for that typically. But I found out that the girl who plays Sarah in this movie has gone on to write for TV shows. And the most recent one she wrote for was The Flight Attendant. She's a staff writer for the HBO show The Flight Attendant. Oh, hmm, cool. Which is a pretty decent show. I'm like four episodes in on it. It's pretty good. Nice. 
Anyway, oh, cool. but there's no box office for this because it's so um, low budget and didn't get a theatrical release, really. Okay. Do you guys want to do Scary Scale? Yes. Yep. Hit us with that Scary right. Scale. Scary Scale is a scale of 1 to 10, how scary we found the film when we watched it this time. Uh, our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's not a reflection of the quality of the film, just how scared we were at the time of viewing. Yeah. Paige. I'm going to give this one a 2. Oh, man. Wow. Feeling weird. Feeling weird. Well, let me make you feel a little bit better, Mikey. I'm going to give it an eight. An eight? Yes. Mikey, did you see the videos Natalie posted? Yes. I watched this with the lights on and Christmas tree lights on because our Christmas tree is still up for some reason. All three are still up. And it still scared me a lot. This is an eight for me. I was terrified. I hate you guys for making me watch it. I mean, I was really scared. I wasn't as scared as like Conjuring 2 first time visiting. Yeah, this was definitely Conjuring 2 is way scarier. I'm going to say 5. Okay. I mean it's it's a scary movie and it was your second time watching it. So, that yes, makes sense. I, that's what I'm I, yeah, I'm factoring in the second time yeah. that it stayed so high. Uh, I think it would be higher if I liked any of the people. Yeah, I agree. I think that would have made a difference for me as well. All right, that was our scary skill. All right. So this week, you guys made me watch Hell House LLC, and I hate you both for making me watch it. What are you making me watch next week? Next week, we're watching the John Carpenter 1980 classic, The Fog. Okay. Very excited. I don't know anything about The Fog except for it's probably got fog in it. No, you'd be wrong. Like, you'd think so, but no. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. So your homework for next week is to watch the 1980, you said? 1980. John Carpenter film, The Fog. Yay. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? I do. Awesome. Well, while you're perusing that review, getting ready for to read it, let me tell them how they can have their review read on the podcast, and that's simply to leave us a five-star text review. So, Mikey, whose review are you going to read today? Kath B. Okay, Kath B. They say, hilarity and horror. Oh. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Uh, I heard a Cinema Sins podcast with horror version featured, and I decided to check them out. That was like a year and a half ago. Wow. That was two Halloweens ago. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I mean, we love those guys, though. We, we hang out with them or used to hang out with them before the pandemic. They ghosted us. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since, I cannot get enough. Exclamation point. I love horror and comedy, and this podcast encapsulates both in the best way. Oh, I thank you. I always have to keep from laughing aloud at work, but it's difficult. The chemistry y'all have and the top-notch jokes are what keep me here. You're welcome. Yeah, that's that's all Mikey. I write I don't know, them. I don't know if you guys yeah. know this, but Mikey writes all the jokes. Yeah, I write, all, I write the jokes. Uh, <laughs> also, my favorite thing ever is Mikey's laugh. I look same. forward to hearing it every episode. Honestly, same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five stars. Kathy, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. We really appreciate it. And if you want to have your review run on the podcast, leave us a five-star text review. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley. 
on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at mrandolph24, and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horrorvirgin, where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff, like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes, where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the regular mm-hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things, like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me, but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. Or his OnlyFans, which really should just be called Only Feet <laughs> because that's what you get. But guys... <laughs> But it's just because I don't know how to work my camera phone. <laughs> he doesn't know how to hit the front-facing camera button, so it's always just a picture of his feet. Anyway, guys, if you can't financially support the show, that's understandable, that's fine, but if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horrorvirgin. We also link it like once a week, so just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. We're closing in on 1,600 members. It's amazing. You guys are awesome. And literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. This episode was brought to you by Nick B. Uh, Nick B. Fun fact. Though, oh yeah, he did not have an LLC on his small business. Oh, he had no. like he like he incorporated, so he had full liability. Oh, he had no. full liability, <laughs> and like that's dangerous, Nick B. You got to get that checked out. It's not an STD, Mikey. He just needs to get it switched to a limited liability incorporated, or as we like to call it, Nick B. LLC. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this episode also brought to you by Ori. Ori. I am not a huge fan of Ori this week because Ori decided to set up a prank where when I went into my crawl space with my handyman, she slammed the door so we were locked in the dark for a few minutes and it scared the shit out of me. So, Ori, that was uncalled for. I'm not a fan of that. You are correct, sir. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) This episode was also brought to you by Awesome Possum Blossom, who wants us to give you some awesome possum facts. So here's one for you. Their memories are surprisingly sharp. Possums have impressive memories, at least when it comes to food. So researchers found that possums are better at remembering which runway led to a tasty treat than rats, cats, dogs, and pigs. They can also recall the smell of toxic substances up to a year after trying them. So they're very smart when it comes to food. That's a good fact. Yeah, it's an awesome fact, you might say, Mikey. Indeed. And if you're looking for awesome things to feed your possum, reach out to Bug Cage Company on Facebook, or as I like to call it, Brandon's Bug Business. And if you have any needs, like if you want to get a tarantula, a spider, a scorpion, a centipede, millipede, or other apede, reach out to Bug Cage Company on Facebook, and they will hook you up with some bugs they ship directly to you. So this episode's also brought to you by Jeff, and Jeff wants you guys to check out his podcast, on the show Jessica Jones called Kissing Jessica Jones, where they discuss, I think it's one episode every week of Marvel's Jessica Jones. Yeah. We now return you to another half-baked episode of The, the Patreonicals. Patreonicals. That was for you, Mikey. 
Do you guys want to do the good guys or the bad guys first? Let's do bad guys first and on the good guys. I'm excited. Okay, bad guys first. Nailed it. Okay, so Isaac, Karun, and Evil Matthew, and Dave. Everybody was like, Dave, we've killed you multiple times. You know, we'll leave this up to you. Like, where do you want to go? And he's like, let's go west to the great Cali. Yeah, they're going to get on the PCH. PCB. And take yes, it all PCH. the way west. Because yeah. you could famously <laughs> go west on the PCH. We're going to go down Route 66 all the way okay. to LAX. That actually might get you out west. 66 does go west. <laughs> I know. I know. I forgot. You know, they're, they, they're just outside of Mammaltopia. They decide to go west. So what they went, Dave was like, look, I'm just a normal guy. You're three evil guys. Well, two evil guys and an alien. And <laughs> I keep dying over and over again. But I want you guys to know, I've always wanted to go see the Redwoods. And that's what I want to do before I really die. And then uh, Isaac's like, we don't really have other plot points going on, so, like, let's do it. Let's do a road trip, a bro trip across the post-apocalyptic America. I can't wait to see what, like, the road-type hijinks we <laughs> get into with these evil bro road trip. Personally, I'm really hoping for, like, a, Mi a Magic Mike XXL situation. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, but I can imagine. And when I imagine it, it's Ryan Reynolds. I'm going to make you guys watch it for Romancing the Pod. One of these days, I'm just going to drop it on you. I'm going to drop it on you like a ton of bricks. Nice. Mm. Sexy, like sexy bricks. Karoon's like, what is a bro trip across <laughs> What America? is this bro trip you speak of? And Dave gets really excited. He's like, oh, I can't wait to tell you. I was in college and we did one of these. It's going to be great. And then Evil Matthew is like, Look, we got to steal a car. So they, anyway, they ended up, there was like some Mad Max people because it's the Pocopocalypse and there's like a monster truck thing. Anyway, they kill all those people and they steal that car. So they're headed west in a Mad Max. It looks like Gravedigger. They're in, actually, you know what? They're in the actual Gravedigger. <laughs> Gravedigger! <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And one more Sunday. So they're they're headed west. All right, so those are the bad guys. They're... That's going to be a fun time. We're going to get to the Red Redwoods. Uh, back over on the other side of Mammaltopia, where the other heroes are running away from the evil Macy and the Illuminati and Chippendale. Eddie talks the koala commandos to join him. Uh, and so they're all they, they found some cars. They're they're running. They're headed to, uh, you know, they're just nowhere is safe. So they're like, where is safe? Everything's been a trap. And they're like, let's go on the offensive. So like, where is the closest? Yeah. Or like, where's an Illuminati uh, stronghold? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to take the fight to them. Sasha, she's like, I've analyzed everything. I know is. where one is. Niagara Falls. Oh, not Niagara. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're just like, that's where they're going to go. That's where Jim and Pam got married. It was plan C. <laughs> <laughs> and then Amy, for some reason, still wearing her like spacesuit because like she doesn't want to let everyone forget that she's an astronaut. Oh, she's that kind of person. <laughs> yeah, you know, like the kind of astronaut that might like drive across country in a diaper to confront an ex lover. Oh, man, you stole my joke. I was going to say she's just going to put on a bunch of diapers and take watch. <laughs> Sounds great. Anyway, so they were like, you know, what? we really loved the relationship. So let's go get one. So they, they hijack a boat, plug Tristam in and Tristam's like, mm, OK, I'll control this boat or whatever. And then uh, they're going to go up the East Coast oh. there and Tristan's Tristan's boat and Kate who is knocked unconscious still from the battle with Macy. We don't know what's happened to her, but uh, we don't know if her powers exist or not. But uh, she was, uh, Amy uh, from space was kind of taking care of her, seeing if she's okay. And then uh, Tristan was like scared. He's like, she's my best friend. Anyway, they are going to head up the coast in a boat. And uh, that's it for this episode. 
But there's another boat chasing them, and they don't know who it is. Oh, no. It's the Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> That's yeah. what I was thinking. That's exactly what I was thinking. What exactly is Amy hiding under that spacesuit? When is Kate going to wake up from her slumber? If our good guys leave Mammaltopia on a boat and travel up the East Coast, and our evil squad leave Mammaltopia for the Redwoods in a car, when will Mikey finally learn geography? Find out <laughs> next week on another episode of... That's not funny. The <laughs> Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin Todd, guys. Keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. Haunted house nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Copycat nerd. <laughs>